0: Right. Testing one, two, making sure you can see me and hear me. Okay. Welcome to another of Monday guitar motivation. Hopefully I'll be able to help you with some things today. We'll wait just a minute here for everybody to kind of roll in. and We'll get our conversation started for the day. So say hello. Let me know if you're coming from YouTube or Facebook or whatever. And remember, if you are on Facebook, Please put your first name in if you comment because there are some restrictions on Facebook, so I can't see the name. If you're on YouTube, I can see your name. But anyway, let me know how things are going for you and we'll go ahead and get started for the day. Amita is here, Rasta is here, Ryan is here. How you doing, Ryan from Seattle, Arthur. Quentin James is here from Louisville, Kentucky. Jason Carter from Germany, awesome. Thank you, Jason. Hector is here and Tom is here and James is here. Let's see, all right, perfect. John is here, Harry is here, Michael Bay is here. Yes, it is Stein time, yes. (laughs) Glad you're all here. All right, so Gary is here, Shannon is here, Mark is here. Thank you so much everybody for being here. Andrew is here from England. Let's see, Gary from Arizona, Samuel from Belgium. Wow, that's awesome. RK is here, how you doing, bud? So today what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be talking about basic ear training today. I had my Johnny Ramone shirt on, and I was thinking about this morning, when I was getting ready, I was thinking about how, like the Ramones for me, I'm a huge Ramones fan. I know everybody isn't, but I am. And how I used to use some of their songs to teach ear training to students. And I thought, hey, let's talk about this. Maybe it's something that will help you. Maybe it's something that will help your guitar students if you have students. So, hey, Andrew, Robert Gonzalez is here. How you doing, bud? New Beat is here, Diago is here, Dylan is here. Very cool, Fred is here. John is here, Billy is here, Ricky is here from Arkansas, Lorenz from Switzerland, very cool. Michael, thank you everybody, thank you everybody for being here, this is awesome. So, again, we're not going into advanced ear training. We're just, like, people my age, a lot of times, I'm 51 now, people my age, when you learned how to play, unless you had a lot of guitar teachers around your area, which for me, living in North Dakota, I did not. So, I learned how to play by ear. Now, that didn't mean I didn't take guitar lessons later and go to college. I did all of those things. But when I first started playing, I really did play by ear. I would have a record and the needle, and I would listen and I would try and figure out what was going on in the music. And so, what I want to do is explain to you a little bit about how that works if you haven't really done that before, because I really believe that learning how to make a connection musically to whatever it is you're trying to play in here, not just here with watching a video or looking at tabs or something like that can be very beneficial to you because you kind of see the guitar a different way because like when I drive in my vehicle and a song comes on, I start sort of, whether it's good or not, I start compartmentalizing how the song goes, what are the chords, what key it might be in, all these things as I'm listening to that song. It's just something that I do. So that's what I wanna talk to you about a little bit. So let's just start with real basic things, okay? So for you to try and train your ear, we're not gonna go into deep into extended chords or different intervals, although we will talk a little bit about intervals. So let's just start with something basic. So you're sitting with a student or something, and what you wanna do is just start taking something like an A major and an A minor. And just learning to develop the ability to hear the difference between a major chord and a minor chord. So one thing that I used to do with my students is I would play the chords, like I would turn around and I would play a chord and I would have them try and identify whether or not the chord that I'm playing sounds major or minor. And I'm not trying to confuse them by adding sevenths and different things like that. I'm really trying to make this as successful an event for them as possible. So just trying to pick anywhere you want to go and make a major chord and a minor chord. You know, because I just saw somebody asked about, do notes have colors? I don't know so much that notes have colors, but if you think about that concept, chords have colors, like a major versus a minor. If you think about how that sounds, now it might sound happy or sad. People use those terms, which is absolutely fine. But sometimes you can listen to those and they might have a different hue in your mind. Like this might be a little bit more bold, sounding and this might you know have a little more of a a subtle kind of feel to it or cue to it if you will. So just starting off with those kind of things because oftentimes happy and sad is a great way of thinking about major and minor but as we get further down the line we understand that that isn't necessarily you know as we start using those chords together now we're looking at a progression but It all depends on, like you're just trying to train the way you think about what you're hearing in whatever capacity that makes sense to you, okay? So most of us don't have perfect pitch. So if I play a note, if I do this and I go, most people probably wouldn't know what note that is. What we do is we know a note relative to something else. We can tell that it's higher or lower and that's what we're gonna be talking about today. So start with just basic things like that. Don't make it really complex, but just start with basic things like hearing a major versus a minor chord. And if you have students or somebody that you're teaching how to play, just start by trying to get them to understand that sound in their head, okay? So the next thing I want to go on to is kind of the big thing, which is utilizing power chords to understand development on the fretboard itself, okay? So for instance, if I did something like this, if I play just a power chord now the beauty of a power chord is that it doesn't have that major or minor hue to it, that happy or sad, it doesn't have that a power chord is lacking that what we call the third, the major third or the minor third it doesn't have that which can be very beneficial for a whole host of reasons but for our thing what we want to understand is what we're dealing with now is movement on the fretboard which will then equate to Songs, riffs, whatever it is that it is that you like, right? So if I do something like this, it's just a sound. But if I go like this, now we can hear the motion moving down and up. Now as a guitar player holding onto the guitar, I can see that. But here's the thing. When you're listening to a song and you're going to try and figure it out by ear, and let me preface by saying this. As I said with this Johnny Ramone shirt that I have on, I used to try and start students with ear training by playing songs and having them learn songs that are fairly straightforward. I'm not trying to give them a dream theater song and then try and figure out what's going on by ear. I would pick very, very straightforward riffs for them to try and listen to and then figure out. Now, I already have a bit of a bad disposition with YouTube in terms of the Ramones, because every time I play Ramones riff, they block, they mute my audio. So I don't know what the deal is with that. So I'm not going to go down that road, but I am going to talk about it. So what you do is you start learning. Obviously, as I move down this way, I can hear the pitch lower. I can hear it coming back up. What you want to do is start making a relationship between that and what's happening on the subsequent strings. For instance, if I play this A power chord, like an open A power chord, and then this A. Now, tonally, they're gonna be a little different because of the thickness of the string, but the pitches are the same. So you want to start making sure that you or your student is making that association. Okay, because if I play this A and this A, that's a little bit harder because I need to start realizing or recognizing that they are the same chord, but they are an octave different. Now again, the only way to do that is you gotta practice. Just, you might play something for your student where you're going and then you play and they should be able to recognize that there's a skew there and they do not sound the same, right? But it takes time. I always tell people that learning how to play by ear is kind of a weird thing because it's sort of like trying to explain to someone who maybe is blind what color is, like blue versus green or something, because we're not all born with the same ability of being able to see and hear and acknowledge certain things in our brain. So I don't know what it's like for you. I only know what it's like for me. But I used to tell my students that what you really need to do is you need to try and go deep in your thought and try and block out everything else and just learn to hear kind of the alignment of these sounds, if that kind of makes sense. Hey, Scott, Scott's here. Scott and Jennifer, how you doing, Jennifer? So if you listen, right, they're gonna make a very different sound. If I listen to this, they sound linear to me, even though one is an octave higher, okay? Now again, I'm not gonna take up all your time today. I just want you to start thinking about this. Start with just major and minor of the same chord. Try and get used to that. You know, if somebody can quiz you or you can quiz somebody else, maybe you have a friend that plays guitar or something and they can play and you can practice this. That's a really great thing to do. But now we're moving into this power chord thing and we're trying to learn two things. We're trying to learn motion, downward and upward. And I'm gonna play some song riffs in just a second here so you can kind of hear this actually three things. And then we're trying to hear the relationship between a chord that exists on multiple strings. For instance, A being here and A being here. Now, and then the octave as I showed you. Now there's all kinds of things I could talk about, but here's what I want you to understand. What we're not really concerned with right now is whether things are exactly the way the artists play them. Again, if I go back to my childhood years learning how to play guitar, and then playing in bands and things like that, there was no YouTube, there wasn't anything like that. So it's not like you sat and went, oh, you know, I mean, the the riff I always use is this one. And that's all I'll play so I don't get blocked here. But if I play that by Black Sabbath, this is where Tony Iommi played it, evidently, right? But when you watch Zach play it or you watch Jakey Lee play it or whatever, you see them play it here. Now, again, as I just said, there's a tonal difference between those two. But if I was listening to it on a record, would I be able to hear the tonal difference between it being on the fifth string or the sixth string? And the second question is, do I care? You see, and I grew up in the kind of the group of people that it didn't matter. As long as I was playing it as right as I thought it was, it didn't matter to me that Tony Iommi might have been playing it at the 12th fret and I'm playing it at the 7th fret It's not right or wrong. It's still the right notes. It's just a different position to play it in, you see, where there are most certainly people out there now because of YouTube that go, no, 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 that's wrong. You're supposed to play at the 12th fret. I'm not going to get into that argument. That's entirely up to you, okay? But what I want you to understand is that it's the same thing, just like this A and this A. So when you're learning by ear, you're not always necessarily correct in the position that you might be playing it in. Don't let that weird you out. As a matter of fact, it's really great because you start learning to decide where you want to play certain things, you see, depending on how it feels comfortable to you. So if I think of this song by Black Sabbath, Tony Iommi is playing it here and Zach Wilde is playing it there, I don't look at Zach and think, oh, he's playing it wrong, right? Where somebody else might think of it that way, I don't think of it that way. It's just a different place to play the same thing. Hope you're enjoying this episode so far and you're getting motivated to take your guitar playing to the next level. Please do me a favor and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It'll help the show grow and reach more rock stars like you who want to improve their guitar playing. Also, I'd love to know what parts of the episode you liked as well as what you learned, so please share this podcast and tag us at guitarzoom.com on your social post. And now, let's get back to the podcast. So, as we're playing by ear, we might find the correct octave, but we might be playing it maybe a different way than our friend is playing it because they're playing it in another position. They're playing A here and you're playing A here. So my point is I don't want you to get hung up on that. Okay? So now let's take that idea and let's start thinking about the movement a little bit here. So as I'm playing... So I'm listening to that sound. So when I start trying to figure out a song by ear, and again, I'm thinking about my putting the needle on the record thing, what I would do is I would try and purposely find songs that didn't sound overwhelming. And what I mean by that is if I put on the music and there's too much going on, I can immediately recognize that this isn't the song. I want something that's riff based, right? Now, there's all kinds of music from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s that have basic riffs, if you look in the right place. And there's stuff from the 90s and 2000s and today that have straightforward riffs. Don't set yourself up for failure or certainly your students up for failure by trying to give them something that's way too difficult right away. Okay, make it basic. Again, this is why I would use the Ramones, because I could play something that went like this. And it had two things. It had motion that they could hear. It was moving down and coming back up. And it had a rhythm. da 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 So there were pauses in between where you could hear that. Okay? So that's why I would use riffs like that. And I wouldn't play the whole song for them. What I would do is just play that little bit. But just play it over and over and over and have them start trying to recognize these three blocks. da 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 da, 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 da. and then the return, if you will, to that second block, if that makes sense. So trying to identify not only the fact that it's moving down and moving back up, but the movement back up is going back to something that we have already heard before. Yeah, that's right, John. Very good. Yeah. It's the song I always use because it's the song I used to use for guitar lessons. But anytime I play it on YouTube, it winds up getting me blocked. So I'm going to talk about it, but it's a Ramon song. I mean, you could play any Ramon song, and I'm going to get to another one in just a second. But let's take this now. Let me play you this riff, and if anybody knows it, go ahead and throw it in the chat. So if I do this. Okay? So if anybody knows that, throw it in the chat so other people can see it. It's not father. It is... Somebody else. There you go. Okay. So thank you. Yes, everybody seems to know that. So, okay. So that's another one that I would use. Now let's look into this a little bit further. So this song, yes, not father the other one. Okay. This one is using the same motion that the Ramon song did. It's just using three different blocks, if you will. Okay. But if you look at the first one I played, I played five, three, one. So it was like whole steps. And in my brain, I always thought of that as two fret motions, right? Now I'm playing this song and it's still two fret motions. Okay, it's just in a different key. So as I'm listening to it, and again, needles on the record or whatever, and I'm listening to this, I'm not trying to listen to the whole song. I just want to listen to that riff and just try and lock that in, okay? So here's the question. I'm hearing it, but what I need to do is identify block number one. In both of these songs, I need to identify block number one. Now, there's a couple ways you can do that. You could just take and start moving with just one note on the sixth string, okay? Because, again, we know that no matter what chord you'd ever play, between zero and 12 on the sixth string is a root note for any of those. The hard part is, is when you get into more... Define chords. They could be all over on the fretboard and sound all kinds of different ways That's why we're just starting with power chords, okay? So what I would always do is I would just take my first finger and I would listen to that riff and then I would stop the record and I would just I would just keep moving around until I thought I had that note and then I would bring the needle back start the song again and play that and then stop it if I could define that first block Okay, then I start hearing this motion, like I was talking about before, this whole step motion moving down and then coming back up. So as I hear, nope. And I always went with this whole step block because back then the music that I was listening to seemed like it did a lot of these whole step blocks. That's how things moved, were these two fret blocks like this, okay? So that's where I would start. Now, here's the question. There's lots of different ways you could play this. Like somebody else might say, hey, I know that song, but I play it here. And again, this is why we wanna identify that there are multiple places to be able to play the same chord. Not a different octave, but the exact same chord, okay? Or this. Now all of a sudden, somebody else is going, hey, I'm combining power chords with open chords. And it's working. Well, that's fine. Again, for me, none of those are wrong. They're just three different ways of playing the same thing. Now, obviously, if you're talking to the band, there's a more right way, right? But if we're trying to do this by ear, there's only so much information we have. So we just do the best we can with what we have. So if that makes sense, you're trying to identify that primary, that first block, and then you're trying to figure out how the rest of it moves. And I could give you all kinds of different songs, like. Right? Where I see "Living After Midnight, right? Which is that block. But now it's making a square block because it's using two chords on the fifth string. And two chords on the sixth string. And it's making this block. You see, there's lots of different songs that you can do this. Like Lucas mentioned Rainbow in the Dark that I just played. So Rainbow in the Dark, for instance, maybe I don't know the rest of it. Maybe I can only go. And I don't know how to do all the other stuff, right? Well, that's okay. Again, that's not what this is about today, right? But at least you can define. There's that whole step block again, you see? Or if I did something like this right? It's a bunch of, or I could do a bunch of Iron Maiden stuff, or, I mean, there's all kinds of different songs I could do, but this whole step block is really defining, and this is what I figured out when I was a kid, was that the music that I listened to, which was mostly metal, did these whole step blocks. Again, I didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't understand anything about keys and things like that until later, but I knew that I could visualize these blocks. And as I was listening to the music, I was connecting to the sound of those whole step motions, but I had to define that first block. If I could figure out that first block, and again, maybe it's major, maybe it's minor, that's fine. Let me deal with that second, but first let me figure out in a power chord form, what is that block? Is it E or G or D or whatever, right? I'd have to figure that out. So that's why learning how to hear the octaves, learning the replicating the, the same chord on different chords, different kinds of things like that, all this stuff. And I see people just have great ideas. note of Fantasy is a great one, okay? There's all kinds of different things on, that are great songs that you could use, okay? So now we move into... And now all of a sudden we get a different kind of sound, right? So there were artists in the nineties and not all of them, but some of them that started using a three fret distance. So not two frets, but three frets, still blocking, but a different kind of sound, you see? So you can get used to those things too when you're learning ear training is, you know what the sound of a whole step block sounds like in the motion of moving down or up or whatever, right? Now all of a sudden you hear something that isn't a whole step block and you start thinking, what is that, right? That's something else too. So as long as you keep trying to work with songs that have guitar riffs that get replicated over and over and over and over and over through the song that you can listen to and it doesn't overwhelm you like there's not a bunch of other stuff going on you can really target in, start trying to figure out where that first block is and what's happening. But if you start with a band like, again, with the Ramones, if I play, right, now I'm playing this motion that moves from, I wouldn't have to do that. I could go and play it on the sixth string, right? I could do that. But now all of a sudden I start visualizing the fact that that jump from here is pretty big. It's not, right? And again, this takes time. But as I do that, I start recognizing that instead of coming all the way up here, I could simply just drop down and get that same sound. You see? So I have to start making some decisions here when I'm listening, where do I want to go? So like with the one I just played, that one, all of a sudden I start hearing this motion. Well, for many of you, you know that's a 1-4-5. It's a very, very common chord progression, okay? But now we're hearing it in context of rock or punk, right? So we're hearing that, and only because it's faster, power chords. Whatever it might be. But when I hear that sound, again, that block, that motion sticks out in my head. So the more you get used to this stuff, the more you start realizing that a lot of the music that you listen to does a lot of the same things, right? Or the style that it is, the genre that it is, other artists will start doing a lot of the same things as well. It doesn't always work. And if you find something that's really difficult, it's not really making sense in your brain, don't stress about it. Just find another song that works better. You know what I mean? But that's a great way to start developing the basics of ear training. Okay. Now, if we talk about ear training again next time, we'll talk a little bit more about like actual intervals and things like that. But this is a great place for you to get started if you're not very good at ear training, even though you might be amazing at other things, but you're just not very good at ear training or maybe you're just getting started. Again, maybe you have some students or something that want to learn ear training. This is a great way to get them connecting, really connecting to the music that either they listen to or something that you can turn them on to for music. Because again, it doesn't work for everything. I remember going through a bout with students for a while where all my students would come in and nobody was really listening to any guitar music. Everybody was listening to music that didn't have guitar in it. And you're like, well, we got to find some happy medium here because I can't really teach you how to play guitar. If all you're doing is listening to music that doesn't have any guitar. So that's a whole nother issue on its own. But if you can persuade them to move into a direction that has, and you might have to work with them a little bit to figure out what songs those might be. But this is a great place to start, to start learning to visualize your fretboard, hear those sounds, and try and make those connections. So hopefully that makes sense to you, okay? Everybody, thank you so much for your time. It's almost been 30 minutes. I don't wanna take way too much of your time, but have a wonderful week and I will talk to you soon and keep practicing and remember, if you're looking for anything guitar related, you can always head over to guitarzoom.com and check out the guitar membership we offer and guitar courses and whatever. So take care, stay positive, and I'll talk to you all soon, okay? If you enjoyed today's podcast and wanna learn guitar even faster, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button to get access to courses that are right for your interest and skill level. Again, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button.